Hey everybody, Jeff Antoniak here. Welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz. So today I wanna to talk about playing with shapes, whatever that means. Well, it's a cool concept that I wanna share with you and just sort of explain a little bit. Uh, we're gonna cover a couple sort of cool licks here that I think you may enjoy. And most important, I hope this will give some of us a path forward. If not this specific path of shapes, just the idea of investigating some other ideas for you. Now, if you've uh, ever seen these videos or if you've not seen these videos, Digging Deeper Jazz, this is for the adult amateurs and semi-pros out there. These are the people that I teach, that I've dedicated my teaching and my career to for the last 15 years and trying to give these folks some traction. And I hope that's you watching there. A lot of other people watch these videos, but that's who I'm gearing this towards. And I try to be as as honest and maybe as vulnerable as possible. So maybe you've heard me say, maybe you know this about me, but as I was going through school, I was always a good student. I was just sort of wired for school. I was a good player. I wasn't any sort of uh, child prodigy or anything like that. I just knew how to work hard. That's how I did it. Um, I was very good at a lot of things. I was not good at a lot of things. For instance, my ears. I was not great at ear training. That was not one of my skills. I had to work hard to get an okay grade, which was different for me. But I had to really, really work hard. And sometimes it was so overwhelming, I didn't work that hard. But the bottom line is my ears, my ability to hear an interval and know what it is. I have friends who transcribe solos, like sitting with a pad of paper and no instrument. I can't do that. That's not me. I'm not wired that way. And I felt really bad about that for many decades, feeling bad about, you know, these things that weren't my strengths. But all along, of course, I had these other strengths that I would not really pay attention to. So that's one of the things I want to talk to you about here is seeing what it is that you're good at, seeing if you can see things through the lens of something you're good at. So for me, knowing the exact pitches wasn't it. I was a great reader, a very good reader, sight reader. But you know, when someone would play a chord, oh, is that sharp nine or flat nine? I'd have no idea. That was not one of my skills. I've developed it over the years. So yes, over 30 or 40 years, I'm much better at that. But the bottom line is when I didn't have those skills, I had to learn something else a little bit better. That sense didn't work so well, so I had to figure out ways to fake it, whether that was intellectually figuring out what I was hearing or some other things. So one of the things that has occurred to me is that I think in shapes. When I hear music, when I'm playing, when I'm in the middle of a solo, I notice that I am thinking about actual sort of like line drawings, shapes. And you can see on this uh, sheet that I'm putting up on the screen, I wrote some simple or not so simple melodic ideas, and to the right is the shape that I'm sort of seeing. Now, am I some sort of uh, fantastic being that sees shapes? No, 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 I don't think that's any of it. There, there's something called synesthesia that Duke Ellington had, and Eddie Van Halen had, and Richard Feynman, the great physicist. I'll, you know. People have this thing, and the idea is it's a linking of senses, and we can get very deep into what synesthesia is. I think maybe three or four percent of the population may have it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a little trick of my brain that when I'd hear something, I just sort of related a little bit easier. I don't think I have this thing, and I don't care if I do, and whatever. I'm just saying that we all, when we hear a name, we remember someone's name somehow. 
right? Whether, whether it's relating it to somebody we knew before, you understand the idea. So here's the three things that I want to get across to you today. First of all, I want you to see if you can figure out what this is for you, how you m relate to things, how you memorize things. Number one, I want you to trust yourself, okay? First step. And we're going to see if we can figure out what that is for you. Second thing, do not trust yourself <laughs> because... Uh, yeah, we can go down the wrong path if you trust yourself too much. And step number three, really, this is about learning to process new information. Everybody listening to this has learned how to process information to get to this point in your life. So now I just want you to think about how you're going to do it with jazz. So let's just step through a little bit of this stuff. So if I play the first example on the sheet, a simple major scale, and unsurprisingly, it sort of, to me, seems like this somewhat horizontal shape. It's smooth and it has a little arc to it. This is not rocket science. I think you can see how I may think this scale has this smooth arcing shape. Now, the second example, if I play a scale in thirds, to me, of course, it has this go up two, come down one, go up two, come down one. There's that mathematical formula. So my brain is definitely wired for math kind of stuff. I know that about myself. Now, if I was just seeing shapes, would I, would it occur to me to play a major scale in thirds like that? Would I be able to do it? Eh, maybe not. So here's the part where I want you to trust yourself, but don't trust yourself. So I do want you to trust yourself. If you think of colors, if you think of shapes or textures, or a sound reminds you of a person, I, whatever it is, I really want to invite you to think about what that is for you. For me, it's shapes and textures. You know, some intervals are sort of prickly sounding and some are smoother sounding. Whatever, right? So you, you do this already. You don't have to invent this. It happens, I promise, in your mind. So maybe pay attention. That's the trust yourself part. Just figure out what that is for you and go, huh, that's kind of interesting and just notice it. Just pay attention to it. Don't be, whatever, embarrassed about it or that's not the way it's supposed to be done or in the last jazz book I read, they didn't talk about that. No, that's the part where you trust yourself. Now, here's the part where you don't trust yourself or most of us aren't going to trust ourselves is that, uh, you know, I guess you could go get your instrument and just start playing red. And here's what's going to happen is you're going to play with probably the same bad technique that you have presuming you have bad technique, right? But thinking red isn't going to get you better on your instrument. You're just going to be yourself and you're going to drill in your bad habits, right? So just emoting with this emotional whatever, for most of us, that doesn't work, right? There's the once in a thousand years genius that can have a concept and then make it happen inside the confines of music or science or design or whatever it is. That's not most of us. So here's the part. You have to learn your major scales and your scales and thirds and your Thelonious Monk songs and your diminished licks and everything else. So you do need to learn them, but what I'm suggesting is if you think in shapes or in colors, use that 
to help you learn, to help you process this information. So for me, my ears were not fantastic. I wasn't great at hearing this interval and down a tritone and up a minor third and you know all that sort of stuff, that just wasn't me. But when I started thinking in shapes, that helped me learn things. And it's really how I think when I improvise. Sometimes I think I want, uh, you know, I want this particular shape now. This next example is uh, a Thelonious Monk tune that I love called Mysterioso. And so it's related to that sort of sawtooth sort of shape, but it has these steeper angles. I'm sure you'll understand. These are wider intervals. <laughs> So did my thinking of shapes help me come up with that monk tune? No, it worked the other way around. Is I had to learn the monk tune, I had to know the fingerings, there were no shortcuts. I had to learn the stuff, but how I remembered it, how I relate to it, how when I don't play that song for two years, I remember the shape of the song. So a lot of us, I think shape is gonna be it, right? We're literally tracing intervals, is the up-down axis. And the horizontal axis is in time. How long does the interval last? Something like that. So uh, we still need to do the hard work. You can't just uh, you know, dive into this cool way of thinking and imagine that's going to make you a great jazz player. I don't think it's going to, right? But this can really help you get to where you're going. And frankly, it makes you comfortable in your own skin. So the next item down on the sheet is this cool sort of diminished lick that we can play in so many settings, but it's another shape that I really like. And uh, it's, you know, what I see in my head is a little different than the connected lines. Here's what the lick sounds like, and you can see what it looks like in my head when I play it. So that's a fantastic lick to learn. It works over dominant chords and diminished chords in a lot of different places. And to me, it has this particular architecture. Sometimes what I like to do is repeat some of the notes inside there. And I'm not repeating them exactly in a motivic way. I'm, I'm repeating them to help it change the shape. So here's, now that I know that, now that I've spent so long learning that finger pattern for that diminished lick, now... I can be creative with thinking about shape. So now I think, given all the notes in that lick or pattern or device, what can I do to mess with those shapes? So now, after I've done the hard work, I trust myself and see what happens. As I was messing around with the elements there, I was changing the rhythms a little bit. I was sometimes repeating or inverting, things like that. So yes, I had to have the finger stuff down, but now I was thinking not about the notes, which is how I often think. I wasn't thinking about the notes. I wasn't thinking about the harmony. I was thinking about what are some cool shapes I can make with this device. So that to me is where it gets interesting, right? So the first step is trust yourself enough to know what this may be for you, 
what, how, how you're going to link this to something perhaps non-musical, right? The next part is don't trust yourself and think this is going to get you out of a bunch of work because it's not. We still have to learn how to play these things on our instruments, right? But what it does, the third part, is it helps us learn to process this information, right? And I think human beings are really generally pretty good at that. We get some information and now how does this apply to me? How does this apply to me walking down the sidewalk? Or how does this apply to me playing the saxophone? So if I can give you a little shortcut or just frankly help you feel more comfortable in your own skin, that's what this is about. Let me do one more for you. This is a John Coltrane lick that I remember learning from his Mr. PC solo. Sounds like this. So that lick, these days, when I hear somebody else play it in a different context, on a different album that I'm not expecting, I can recognize it. Now, yes, over the last 30 or 40 years, my ears have gotten better. But frankly, when I hear somebody play that lick, I immediately hear the shape of it. I sort of have this picture in my mind. And then I go, oh yeah, that's that thing I learned. That's the Coltrane thing in closing the whatever, blah, blah. Now I have an intellectual explanation. But I've learned to process that information in a sort of different way. So the more different ways we have to process information, the better. And now, of course, that's what I do with all of my students. That's what I hope is happening here with those of you at Digging Deeper Jazz. And of course, at jazzwire.net, where people come into the community and work together there. That's what it's all about, is taking this information, but again, for the adult amateurs, finding ways to short circuit and get you there a little quicker. There's really a lot of jazz education that is incomplete or it works for two out of 100 people. I'm interested in finding what works for each individual and finding things that work for groups of people. So if that's interesting to you, always feel free to leave a comment for me here or visit me at jazzwire.net. So I hope this is helpful. Trust yourself don't trust yourself. And then finally, we want to get to the place where we can process this information in your own unique way. And that's what makes jazz very interesting. There's only 12 notes on these instruments. There's only so many chords. There's major, minor, dominant, right? How can this music be so infinite? It's because we imperfect human beings have our quirky ways of processing these 12 notes and putting them together in different ways. So that's the biggest thing I want you to get here is that invitation to figure out what it is for you. I would love to see 100 or 200 or 5,000 comments on what this is for you. Do you think this is real? Do you think this is BS? What is that thing that you've always known? Oh, you think this way, but you've ne maybe never told anyone. Maybe you've never thought about this and it occurred to you, oh yeah, I see Lego pieces and I'm piling up Lego pieces in an interesting way. I don't care. I would love to hear it though. So please leave some comments and I hope this is interesting and, you know, steal a couple of these licks and start practicing them. All right, guys, take care. Have a great week. Yeah.